This episode of Cognitive Dissonance is brought to you by our patrons. You fucking rock. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Recording live from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome at. This is episode 314 of Cognitive Dissonance. In this episode, we are joined by Karen Garst a little later in the program. Karen Garst, uh, we are interviewing for her upcoming book, Women Beyond Belief, Discovering Life Without Religion. Um, so we got an interview with Karen Garst a little later in the show. But first, some unbelievably shitty stories What's... and some David Icke. Yeah. So there's that, guys. Hey, something to look forward to. <laughs> Huzzah. Hey, you know what? Fuck it. Let's lead off with child abuse. It's like trying to get somebody excited about Auschwitz. You right? Know? You're just like, yeah. hey, and then later we'll pour some soap on you. There you go. Maybe we'll... open a couple cans of Cyclone B. Right. What do you say, guys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So this fucking story, this comes from rare.us. That's evidently a site. I wish this was actually more rare um, in that it never happened at all. We cover this story or a similar story several times a year. Yeah, pretty so. much, yeah. Uh, this story, a mother beat her seven-year-old son with a coat hanger and used religious freedom as an excuse. I, has he never seen Mommy Dearest? Well, I mean, should know no, no wire. wire hangers ever. Kids should know better. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so this happened in Indiana where she opened her kid like a fucking car door. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, that's what you do with a coat hanger, right? Isn't that what you do? You right. Bend it, <laughs> just bend it and, and fish it through. Fish it through. I would imagine, like, like uh, at first when they said it came from Indiana, I thought, well, did she just rest her meth pipe on his back? Oh shit! And then I realized, no, that's the rash you get from living in Indiana. Indiana, that's yeah. the Indiana, <laughs> that's the Indiana rash. That's called the Indiana yeah. Ivy. That's what that is. Yeah. You get it from the air down there. Uh, <laughs> we uh, this this is about a mother who essentially beats her kid with a coat hanger, and the idea here is is that she uses religion yeah. as a way to say. Hey, I'm allowed to beat my kid because the Bible says so. Right. So specifically, she cites Proverbs 13:24, which says, "Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul." What if you strike him down? Will he become more uh, more powerful, more powerful than, than you could possibly imagine? <laughs> I don't think that's how it you works, know. Like actually. all you have to do is like read that. Like if you hit him with a rod, you won't kill him. Well, fucking actually, if you hit him with a rod hard enough. You will certainly kill him, and she didn't kill him, but she beat the shit out of this yeah, kid. Yeah, she sure did. And it's it's interesting because you know this isn't just one or two people that do this sort of thing, and they look to the Bible for child rearing advice. Right. And that book is horrible. That book is awful. That book is full of trauma. 
Right. It's full of physical trauma, clearly. It's full of mental trauma. It is not a good book to use as a parenting guide. And people do it all over the world. All the time. All over the world, all the time. There's plenty of people in this country that still beat their children with implements because it says to do it in the Bible. Yeah. It's not even just like a hand across the ass. It's like a beating with a stick, man. I know. And these are the people – we talk about this all the time, but we – you know. When we talk about fundamentalists, what are they fundamental about? Well, they fucking they're fundamental about the religion. It means they have more they they follow their and their religion more closely and are closer adherents to that religion. The religion is the problem here. Yeah. The religion is the issue. It's the thing that's prescribing the beatings. Yeah. Well, you know, <clears throat> she does cite she does also in this in this story. She does cite cultural differences too, right? So you know, you know, it's it's funny because a lot of times that that criticism gets leveled, and that people say, "Well, it's not, you know, it's not the religion; it's the culture." You know, and she does cite cultural differences. Yeah. She's like, "Yeah, look, I'm fucking, I'm a Burmese refugee, and in Burma, we could beat the ever loving shit out of people. That's how it worked." It's like, well, yeah, but it's fucking Burma. Yeah, nobody is looking to Burma as a bastion of of <laughs> human rights. Nobody's like. Well, how do they do it in Burma? Fucking nobody. It's like mm, fucking. That's a great place to lose your head. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you get oh, he lost his head. What did he get super mad? No, they actually cut his fucking head off. Yeah. That's what it was. They didn't. <laughs> he didn't lose his cool. Right. He lost his. Head. He lost his yeah. actual head. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's horrific. Like we're making light of it, but can you imagine what it would feel like to be beaten with a wire hanger to the I, point where you look like the, the fucking if you, photo? If you here? guys, uh, and this is this is guys, this is this is not. I mean, it's not. There's no blood or anything here. Um, but these are welts on the back They're on this article huge that are huge. Too. I've never had a welt like that in my life. No. I've never I've never been hit that many times and in succession to to ha- I mean that's like a that's like getting your ass kicked by a group of people. Right. You know what I mean? Like yes. it's like get, it's yeah. like getting a boot party from somebody. There's no way you do that to a 7-year-old kid, right? Yeah. Like this is a second grader. Yeah. This is a second grader. They essentially they essentially did what they do in Full Metal Jacket to him. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they right. to hold him on the on the bed and, and just, just fucking beat, beat him. the shit out they of him. They beat right. him. Right. Yeah. Right. There's no way you do that, and you're like, well, I was just disciplining him. Fucking what could the seven-year-old have done? Yeah. Like, what is the crime that merits a beating like that? Yeah. That's the other thing. It's like, you know, your crazy fucking book prescribes these awful beatings, but it doesn't It doesn't lay out specifically, you know, if kid does this, wallop him once. If kid does that, no. wallop him no, twice, right, right? right? Instead, it's just like, like there's just like a general prescription called beat the shit out of your kids mm-hmm. with sticks. What's fucking? There's no evidence that that's a good thing. Like we have lots of evidence about how to rear children and how to effectively discipline children and instill values in children. And I mean, basically, like you, people don't even raise kids; we just domesticate them a little bit. Like that's <laughs> it. Like that's the whole thing. You get a bunch of kids, especially if you're Catholic and you got like fucking two dozen kids sure, or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. All you're trying to do, you brand the ones that are yours, <laughs> put them in a pen, and you hope to domesticate at least a half a dozen of them. That's the whole thing. Sure. But there's like there's fucking no evidence at all that it's like. Well, maybe if we beat him, well, maybe we beat him even harder with a stick. I don't know. None of the evidence points to that's a great idea. Baby, like, what the fuck? So we are reading uh, for our show the book, The Greatest, Biggest, Awesomest, Coolest Secret by David Icke. The most bestest. The most bestest. The most bestest. Secret by David Icke. Now, David Icke. 
we have been reading this book, Tom. We're we're well over halfway through Thank this book God. at this point. I can't. It's and fucking brutal. Dude. Last week we we had a fucking uh we were saved. nervous fucking breakdown we is what I fucking had. By Stuart, because he had great questions and we had a lot of fun with him. Now it's just us, and we, we do have – I have a few questions. I didn't – again, don't have a reading. That, a lot of this chapter, again, like last chapter was great. There was some really great stuff in it. Yep. Um, this chapter, they went back to the names again. I know, man. It's just – it's like it's an endless – like at some point, he's just – naming yeah. people and uh-huh. places and yeah. you're just like oh it gets real real boring so there's bad. a la- large part of this chapter that's real boring the next chapter i think is very short and then pretty soon there's a chapter that's like 40 or 50 pages long we're gonna have to split up a couple times oh. so yeah it looks oh. horrible, so. it sounds um, terrible all right so uh so tom why don't you lead off and i'll follow up all right sounds good see so how do the reptilians operate hmm. a using tiny tweezers that buzz when you hit the sides <laughs> B, smoothly. (laughs) (laughs) Smooth. All right. I love it. C, mostly in the background from underground bases and overwhelmingly by possessing the reptilian human bloodstreams, which resonates most closely to the reptile consciousness of the lower fourth dimension. Probably not that one. D, shit, bitch, I don't know your life. Jesus Christ. Sounds racist. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with uh, C. Yeah, nailed it. I don't know how. Right. These are not as hard it's as not, Stewart's questions. Stewart's questions are a lot harder. All right. What might sound fantastic if you allow your vision of possibility to, to be suppressed to the size of a pea? They have the same question. Okay. Well, I'm curious what your answers All right, are. Here we go. A. Drafting Colin Kaepernick in your fantasy football team. <laughs> B. Having a reptilian or reptilian controlled president. C, a bird in the hand, <laughs> or D, meth mouth. <laughs> meth mouth? I'm going with meth mouth. <laughs> not meth mouth. It's B. Well, coincidentally, Cecil, All right. when does having a reptilian-controlled human president sound fantastic? <laughs> it's coming in from it the other way. I love it. A, if you've had your vision of possibility suppressed <laughs> to the size of a P. I think we know the answer. B, if you had your prostate massaged by an iguana even once. <laughs> <laughs> prostate massaged by iguana, not even once. <laughs> C, when you consider the alternative, the, the possibility of a Trump presidency. <laughs> D, never. But until we ditch the electoral college, what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That's good. Who do you think controls Alan Greenspan and the governor of the Bank of England and the statements they make? A, somewhat. (laughs) Somewhat. B, certainly. C, of course. Or D, exactly. he says he this is exactly what he says he 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 writes that sentence out and then he puts who do you think controls them and then he puts exactly Exactly. (laughs) it's amazing he answers his his own own question question with exactly exactly. here's a rhetorical question i'll answer anyway (laughs) that's not how rhetorical questions work Also, terrible literary device. Oh, it's awesome! It was awesome. I know that's so bitchy. I I shouldn't be no, doing that, it's but it's but I, I come on. I know. But what else are you bitchy, supposed though? to bring to this? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't bring anything to it, dude. Mm. Cecil, why are the reptilians obsessed with interbreeding with the Brotherhood streams? A, 
They need a whole. Started a yawn at the beginning uh, of your question. It's so boring. Oh God, it's amazing. A. The, the need to hold the reptilian genetic inheritance and therefore maintain the vibrational connection between the human body on the third dimension and its controlling force on the lower fourth. <laughs> B. No, for real. That's what he said. <laughs> C. I'm not fucking kidding. Or D. Fucking kill me. Oh, well, it's probably A, B, and C. <laughs> <laughs> I would have accepted all of the above or a bullet to the brain. All right. Uh, Henry Kissinger is A, a Satanist. Mm, B, a mass murder. Yes. C, mind control expert. Yes. D, a child killer. Yes. E, someone who gives really great hugs. <laughs> or F, A, B, C, and D. Uh, I'm going to go with F. I'm going to go with F. <laughs> but the hugs, the hugs are still open, right? Can I? You, could. you know what? Does he? Does he at least bring the hips in? So I hate the fucking. You know, I hate that <laughs> fucking shoulder grinds. only hug. He grinds a little. Fucking bring it in He's there. An and an don't fucking man. play. He doesn't give a fuck. You know. You know what I mean? Don't I want no. Fuck. I, if my fucking belly isn't rubbing up against your belly, we're not hugging. <laughs> I got. I wonder. You know, we we're talking about last week with uh, with uh, Andrew Torres about libel laws, mm-hmm. and we we're talking about. And I'm glad we don't have stringent ones here, right? We're talking about. Uh, we we talked about it off uh, off recording about yeah. how what the libel laws are in England and how you have to like you the burden the of proof, proof is reversed. reversed. Yeah. Right. Don't you think Henry Kissinger would have a really good fucking case against fucking David Ike, Ike with the calling him a Satanist, a mass murderer, a mind control expert, and a child killer? I would think that those things would be pretty aggressive. Isn't that libelous to, to say? I mean, yeah, but I think these guys. You know, the thing is, I, I was reading something. I don't know while back when we first started this. Like, he doesn't really get sued because everybody just thinks he's crazy. I see. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone's just like, I don't want him to get the attention. Yeah, I don't really care about him. Like, fucking yeah. obvious troll is obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Cecil, the global pyramid of power is made of what? Oh, God. A, ser- a, a series of smaller compartmentalized period pyramids. <laughs> B, blue diamonds, green clovers, pink hearts, and orange <laughs> moons. <laughs> C, sticks and stones, which sometimes break our bones. <laughs> D, snips and snails and puppy dog tails. <laughs> It is a, a bunch of pyramids on top of other pyramids. Pyramids stacked into a – it is a series of smaller pyramids stacked into pyramids. We know Project Paperclip happened. Because, it did. Because – Yes. A, the, Babylon, the Babylonians invented papyrus, which is how they first penned the agenda, and then they kept it together with primitive bindings, also known as paperclips. <laughs> B <laughs> – you can use a paper clip to unlock a door, and since all doors and locks are controlled from the fourth dimension, lizards. Okay. Yeah, you got me there. That's a good C, one. C, Microsoft and early versions of Word had an evil <laughs> embodiment of a paper clip that wouldn't let you skip a fucking line or indent properly. Or D, nothing other than David Icke's fucking wrote it down. No citation, no extra info, nothing. He just typed the letters in a certain order, so it's true. It's the Microsoft one. <laughs> it, is the know, mic- it is the Microsoft I, one. I do want to say as an aside, when you write poetry, there is nothing worse than trying to do it in Microsoft Word. Oh, no, yeah. Because you're like, I want to do something. Cri-. No, I've, refor- do- yeah. it's like, I've reformatted that for you. Like, well, fucking, why don't you go kill yourself? <laughs> like, that is not, you're like fucking hammering away at the indent and enter I, it's, backspace. It's funny. It's funny because it, it was even worse back when there was a paperclip. That it was, it what is fucking insane. Every time you'd, t- you'd tab and it'd be like, I want to end on twice. It'd be like, bruh, 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 
Are you sure you want to do that? Right. And be like, are you writing a business letter? Motherfucker, if I wrote a business letter, I'd fucking tell you I was writing a business letter. I wrote a business letter to Bill Gates to have him kill you. <laughs> it was always like, hey, man, are you writing a resume? No, I'm, I'm just, hey, man, are you writing a business? Is this a memo? It is now. It's a dear Bill Gates to. It's a fucking death threat. Like, that's it. It's like, at some point, I'm like. A death and it just, like, the, the type Would you of the, like to include your own feces? <laughs> The font, the font is all letters from magazines cut out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a, a ransom note. It looks like you're writing a ransom note. <laughs> like, <laughs> writing a ransom note? Or an Eminem uh, song. It's actually so hard to tell funny. the difference. That's amazing. So Cecil, what is the agenda's ultimate goal? A, to finally get all our monoatomic gold and eat it for superpowers. <laughs> B, to get rid of that pesky Credo Mutwa. <laughs> That's not it. He loves Credo Mutwa. C, to finally and actually not finish the whole fucking container of Cherry Garcia. <laughs> that is impossible, that, my friend. I contend that it can't be possible, my friend. That is a single serving and container. It doesn't matter what size the container is. It, it no, literally it doesn't. doesn't matter. Yeah. It does not matter. If it's got Cherry Garcia in it, you're done when you're out. You're done when you're out right. or it's out. Yeah, that's the thing. Like somebody's either passed out or there's no more Cherry Garcia, <laughs> right? The fucking dog is licking the remnants from your corpse as your <laughs> bloated stomach has burst from Cherry Garcia overconsumption. And that's how I want to die. Exactly. Like the guy on seven. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, it's fine. They just, just feed him fucking SpaghettiOs until he dies. Make sure it's Cherry Garcia. Right? kick me in the gut all day. I don't I'm give a good. shit. Foie gras goose yeah. me, motherfucker. <laughs> fine and finally to take over the planet so effectively so effectively that no one notices thereby accomplishing literally nothing (laughs) (laughs) it could be a or c Uh, that's awesome i got one more all right david ike's image of the chain of command for the round table resembles a a picture of a tesseract to help include his fourth dimensional readers Fourth dimensional readers. B, not a Jew star. <laughs> no, not at all. Not, C, no. the image of David Icke fisting a hollow earth globe. <laughs> or D. He's using it like a puppet. D, a Jewish star with circles so it looks like a yeshiva sheriff badge. <laughs> yeshiva sheriff badge. I'm going with the yeshiva it sheriff is. badge. It totally looks like it, too. It does. Uh, fucking That's round great. table. All right, so here's my synopsis, and we'll be oh, done with this we horrible go. Thank chapter. God. Chapter 13. With lucky, the, lucky 13. With the amount of superstition in this book, I'm surprised the chapter isn't called 14A. <laughs> the same reptile minds have been occupying all the famous players throughout history, or the next generation of reptiles takes over, or both. <laughs> if Hitler won the war, they would have used a similar economic plan that they have been using now. So the reptiles made him lose so they could lose a powerful dictatorship and replace it with an inclusive democracy. <laughs> David Icke has a real bad experience with journalists because they dismiss his evidence and think he's high. <laughs> this is also the same guy who once claimed he was Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Which is and why they're just, I mean, like, not only are they dismissing him because he doesn't have any evidence. Right. But there, there, there's one point in this where he says something like, and then I said, <laughs> then the person said, the Freemasons, I should be more interested in fucking, you know, 
who's in the fucking Rotary Club or something when they said that. And he's like, I- I- can you believe they said that? Yes, I can yeah. believe they said that. Because the Freemasons are a bunch of guys who sit in a room. They have a pancake breakfast. Together. Like, I'm not worried about anybody that has pancakes. Like, and nobody has ever been like... Yeah, I killed like forty dudes, and then we had pancakes. That's not a thing. It's like it's like fucking worrying about who's at the moose lunch. I know, right? It's like oh, who's it's the, old men drinking Bud Light. Poobah. That's it. Give me yeah. a break. So we are joined by Karen Garst. Karen uh, is the author of Women Beyond Belief, Discovering Life Without Religion. Karen, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's the pleasure is mine. So, Karen, uh, this book is a, a collection of stories uh, that you not only contributed to, but you also edited. Um, what made you decide to sort of collect these stories and, and, and make this book? A couple of years ago, uh, you might remember that the United States Supreme Court issued a decision in Burwell v. Hobby Lobby. And because of the previous decision in Citizens United where they decided that, oh, yeah, corporations are people. That's good, yeah. So in this decision – Did they get all Canadian on it when they did it? Oh, that's good, yeah. I know. I know. I might say out and about because I'm up here too. A A store, a corporation, privately held called Hobby Lobby. It's a craft store like Michael's or other things. And they petitioned the court, filed a lawsuit that said under the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, they did not believe because of their religious views that they should have to provide certain forms of birth control that are really uh, abortifacts or abortifacients, however you say that funny word. And what was interesting, I heard the other day was they had been providing these forms of birth control under their previous insurance. So it might have been, you know, a broader idea of attacking Obamacare itself. It's just a test case to go after the broader bill, right? Exactly. And the court, uh, five to four decision, that would be the five Catholic men in the affirmative, decided that, (laughs) well, let's see, a corporation is a person – and a person has a right to religious views. So, yeah, I guess. I think there's uh, one more step in their, in their logic process. And a person that matters is a man. So, right, therefore. Exactly. <laughs> you know, there was uh, no problem with uh, other forms of things that <clears throat> uh, are available to men. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And so the court agreed That's with true. them yeah. and said they didn't have to provide it. Now, fortunately for the women employees, that was provided through a a separate government program when Hobby Lobby didn't have to. But I really became incensed about that as somebody who grew up in the 60s and 70s when all this was happening. um, For example, I uh, was working on our college newspaper and we'd put in an ad uh, to call New York for an abortion. This was the only place it was legal at the time, right? This was before Roe v. Wade. And all the newspapers were impounded. Of course, it was a private Lutheran college, so that might have had something to do with it. But uh, I was having lunch two days after that with a friend of mine who's an author. And she said, oh, you should write a book. You should write a book. And I said, well, the only thing I can get passionate about is atheism. So I went home and decided to start asking my friends. And at the time, I had men and women. And one of my friends said, oh, you got to meet Peter Boghossian, whom I assume you know, who wrote a manual for being atheist and is creator of the new Atheos app. 
And he's been a mentor ever since. He loves sushi. So I ply him with sushi dinners. (laughs) He connects me with with everyone. He helped me get a blurb on the book from Richard Dawkins. He connected me with Pitchstone Publishing. And we get together frequently. And he's just been phenomenal as a mentor. And he suggested I just do women. And I'm really glad I did. And so I started out by asking friends and then connected with some of the atheist groups in Portland. When I became an atheist, I never joined anything. I slept in on Saturdays. It was pretty cool. And uh, solicited authors there. And then when I started to work with Pitched on Publishing, they wanted a little broader view. And so I reached out through social media and ended up adding six more women. So we have a total of 22. So I, I have a question about that. So your your book, obviously, you know, it's it's women beyond belief. A lot of the time, atheist activists um, and atheist leadership that tends to be pro- predominantly male. It's, it's a male centric. Um, you know, if anything about the atheist movement um, seems to seems to be striking, it's that it's it's not only predominantly male, it's white male. Um, so I, I'm curious, you've, you've gone through, you collected these stories, you have this you know, female-focused uh, book that you've put together. Why do you think it is that that the atheist leadership and the atheist movement is driven so heavily by by men? Um, is it is it harder to be out an out atheist as a woman, or is it just harder to break into this community? Is there something else that's going on there? Well, I think if we look back at nine eleven and the activism that came after that, the four horsemen. Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris, and Daniel Dennett. They all came from the fields of science and philosophy. So that was the approach that started it. And those fields, you know, except for the last 30, 40 years, have been really dominated by men. So I don't think that's surprising. I also noticed uh, when I started to do some research that the debaters were all men. There were very few women mm-hmm. who debated William Lane Craig. Why do you think that is? Well, I again, I don't know uh, exactly why that is. I did – one of the first things I did when I noticed that was start to call writers I'd read. I called Louise Antony, for example, who wrote a book called Philosophers Without God. And she said, well, I did that book, but I've kind of moved on. I'm a philosophy professor. That's not my focus. I called uh, Annie Laurie Gaylor from the Freedom from Religion Foundation. She said, yeah, it's frustrating. When people call and want a debater, they ask for Dan, Dan Barker, her husband, um, and co-leader of the foundation. So, you know, I think it's like a number of things. The... I was director of the Oregon State Bar, and until the 70s, there were very few women in law schools. And now about half of the students in law schools are women. And if you if you have a dog, I don't know if you have a dog, but if you go to, to a vet, the majority of those are now women too. So it's changing. And I think as more women read books like this and get involved – uh, hopefully there'll be more debaters and more voices. It's it's interesting that that we're that we're talking about this because this is sort of an interesting parallel to the appendix to your book, which talks a lot about how the church is sort of predominantly male driven as well. I um, grew up as a Lutheran. I went to Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota. And the first course I took was religion. Yeah, I can do that off to thing too. You know, oh, I can Yeah, sure, you betcha. <laughs> I just go back to my North Dakota roots in any time at all. 
So I feel like you should do the whole interview yeah, in no that kidding. voice. You should be that woman from God. Fargo. That's that would amazing. be amazing just to switch to fucking North Dakota pillow talk in the middle. Just be like, <laughs> oh, that's the spot, don't you know? <laughs> My husband goes back and he just starts saying, yeah, sure, you betcha. There you go. <laughs> anyway, the first course was Religion 101. And they talked about the different oral strains of the Old Testament. There's one that's called E. There's one that's called D, P, and J. J was the first one. And they really analyzed that from a linguistic perspective. They talked about historical events that have been validated by other sources, like the exile in Babylon, which we know from the Babylonian record. And it it was so interesting because a preacher or a Sunday school teacher had never said anything like that. All you learned were stories. But most preachers don't talk about those things because, ooh, that might cause somebody to disbelieve sure, sure, and yeah. talk about this was written over time. It wasn't really monotheism for 600 years. It, it really had a pantheon. And the other thing I did was I read a lot of books about mythology, the goddess, uh, atheism and religion. And I developed a presentation called From Goddess to God, Elimination of the Feminine Divine. And if people subscribe to my blog, they can download a paper of that free. In fact, I'm going to be giving a presentation to the BC Humanists on Friday in Vancouver, British Columbia. And every time I do that, I get I get angry. Because number one, women don't know this history. And at a time when we're killing the earth, this mother goddess or earth goddess or whatever you want to call the relationship with nature was phenomenal. Imagine what it was like in the Paleolithic to understand that the moon, there were 13 lunar cycles and that women had their period 13 times. And this whole goddess idea started out with a relationship with the earth. And it was very holistic. The goddess gave life. The goddess took people in death. So it was very cyclical versus, you know, later on it becomes more linear with writing and there's monotheism. So that to me was fascinating. And as I said, I kind of get angry because I never learned it. Sure, because there's no forum for it, right? You know, like exactly. like we were, we were talking earlier. I think it's interesting, and Cecil, you pointed, you kind of pointed, it brought my attention to it. Is there, there's, I was lamenting kind of with my question to you that there's very little place for women in atheism or in the atheist movement, or, or there's maybe not a there, there there's not been so much of an established place or presence, and then there's no place really in organized religion for women either. So it's, it's the whole religious category sort of seems to be exclusive yeah. of women. So I think a book like this. You know, cataloging and organizing those stories and providing an outlet for those stories, um, you know, really has has an important place. And I think it would be really great if a psychologist looked at what it is like for a girl to grow up and worship a male figure. And I, you know, I try to think back of that in myself. What does it mean to say our father, our father, our father, or Jesus Christ, his son, your whole life? And there's no feminine in there. And the history of the feminine divine is fascinating because Karen Armstrong posits, and she's a fairly well-known religious writer and very well-respected, that it probably took 600 years from 1200 BC until the exile in uh, Babylon, 598 BCE, to firm up monotheism. That in the beginning... This was not a monotheistic religion. 
and they never edit it out. For example, there's a statement that says, God is head of the design, divine assembly with his gods. <laughs> I mean, even in the Old Testament, right now you read it, it says there was a group of gods. That's a bit of a whoopsie doodle yeah, in there, huh? Right. Like, <laughs> like, it's just like, like the, 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 guys, did anybody cut out that part where we <laughs> mentioned other gods? I know we copied this word for word, but did we copy all the words? Yeah. They were angels. Satan. Satan was developed into what Christians know a lot later on. Satan was a god, uh, an angel, uh, working for God. When he comes down to tempt Job, he's doing it as homework, uh, an assignment. God says, go down and tempt Job. Yeah, he was project-based well, back yeah. then. Yeah, they, they, they paid him per project. So, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's funny because that's sort of implied in the, uh, in the Ten Commandments, right? Like, you shall have no other gods before me implies that there are other gods, and this one should just be – the number one God, don't you know? You know, like <laughs> it's implied in the language. For sure, you betcha. And then <laughs> in the exile in Babylon, what they did was they took the scholars, the scribes, you know, the elite. And, and when Nebuchadnezzar uh, overtook Judah, when these people spent decades, decades in Babylon, what were they exposed to? Oh, let me guess. The Babylonian myth. Uh Enuma Elish, and what happens in Enuma Elish? You have Marduk, who says to the other male gods, hey, look, guys, you make me top dog. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Wait, that isn't match. Marmaduke already top dog? I thought he was top dog. He's not huge. <laughs> That's cute. That was cute. Uh, but he said, he said, I will get rid of this, this dragon, this she-dragon, Tiamat, and we'll be done with her. And the guys go along and say, cool, man, yeah, let's do that. And he cuts Tiamat and in the process of cutting her creates the sky and earth. Uh, plus, the Israelites are going, hmm, we're the chosen people. What happened to us? How did we lose? It's <laughs> so terrible to be the chosen <laughs> people. Totally and you just keep losing again and again. <laughs> At some point, you're like, yeah. fucking choose somebody else. <laughs> it's like being the Yankees. You spend all that money on your team and you lose? God damn it. Just Can, we, can you fucking pick the other guy for a little while? <laughs> I want to be shirts for a while. Man. As opposed to foreskins? <laughs> Shirts versus foreskins. I love it. Uh, <laughs> it's the worst team you ever got drafted for. <laughs> You're standing there in the line. Don't pick me. Don't pick me. Don't pick me. <laughs> There's just a guy standing there with a sharp rock and an evil look. Oh, yeah. And it probably was a flint or something like that. Oh, that it wasn't was steel. <laughs> they hadn't yet gotten there, right? Yeah. That's where it came from. There are pictographs and other things that show that circumcision. Nah. I mean, why did that start? Yeah. I don't know how that catches up. Right? There's you know some, how to yeah. catch I can understand Coca-Cola, like that makes sense, but circumcision but, yeah, doesn't, right? yeah. Because there had to be that first guy who's like, all right, well, here's the old calamari ring, and everybody else is looking at him like, what the hell is wrong with you, man? Like, I'm not doing that. Well, God said it. Well, fuck that, dude. I'm not, no, that's crazy. That's literally crazy. When uh, early Christianity was preaching to the Gentiles, the Gentiles said, count me out. That ain't happening. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I I'm not doing that. If that's what it takes to be part of your religion, no count kidding. me out. They say, okay, well, you don't have to. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't do that to be a part of my own family. I'd be like, I'm fucking sorry. I got, you want me to cut the what off my what now? Yeah, exactly. I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, so let's talk a little bit about um, about the, some of the common themes that run through some of these stories. Now, uh, a lot of times when people talk about losing their faith, there sometimes can be a, a theme of regret. Is there is that a common theme throughout a lot of this uh, book? I think the women who wrote this book are very happy they are where they are. And I think, like the first essay that Anne writes, that talks about, one of the things she says was, we were taught, we didn't just commit sin, but we as women were sin. And the shame and the That's guilt, yeah. I mean, it took her years to get over it. One of the things she did was just write and write and write. And I had a cute, e- a very nice, thoughtful email from her a few weeks ago. And she was said, I'm sitting on the Oregon coast, I'm on the beach, and I had this epiphany that I feel good about myself. And I feel calm and serene, and it may be the first time in my life. And I think writing wow. the essay helped. Oh, my gosh. So I don't, I don't really think there's a lot of um, regret. Uh, and I, I hope this book is going to be able to help women and men who are on the verge. I think we all look to models. I know when I was growing up and, you know, took a course on evolution, I really thought it was cool, you know, Australopithecus and all Gigantropus and all of that, but I never saw a paleontologist who was a woman. It never dawned on me. You either became a secretary, a teacher, a nurse, and I wasn't real big on uh, on the hospital thing, so <laughs> that wasn't going to work out. So I thought I was going to be a teacher, and it's not that I couldn't have been something else, but you just don't see models. Sure, and, yeah. and recovering from religion is going to put the book up and I'll probably be on their podcast eventually because people are attracted to that particular organization to tr- help them get out, sure. to help them get over it sure, and to feel good about themselves. And you read these stories and if your path is any easier than Anne, you start to breathe a sigh of relief. Like, well, at least I don't have it that bad. As you read through this book, I wonder if there's other stories of women, you know, that regret, you know, even even just uh, being a believer for themselves for a little while, you know, like like because I know I know I look back on my life and think, you know, there's time wasted in church, time wasted worrying mm-hmm. about the rapture, time wasted about, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've wasted my time sometimes when I think about when I was religious. Right. Not not the regret of becoming atheist, but the yeah. regret of not having oh, done yeah. it sooner yeah. or, or oh, having yeah. wasted we time. Talk about, you, know? you guys want to talk about sex? <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent of the time. <laughs> I just sort of assume that's what we're always talking about, actually. (laughs) Well, okay. Um, I was taught, and I don't even say taught, because I remember asking my mom at the zoo why the llamas were riding piggyback. (laughs) Why were they riding piggyback? Why the llamas riding piggyback? And she never explained it to me. So just dodge the question. Let's get ice cream. Let's get ice cream. I'll buy you one of those plastic dolphins. I'm moving on to the to the camels or something. I don't yeah, exactly. know. Mom's just like, fuck the llamas. No, wait, wrong answer. Yeah, well, actually, oh, don't go to the camels because they're humping. So, so, you know, in fifth grade, you have this movie about menstruation. And, of course, the guys want to know what it's about. So you're on the playground after the movie and everyone wants to know what it's about. Well, the movie was made by Kotex and Disney. Walt Disney, and it was Wait, so... Please, what? Say, please say there was an animated tampon. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm Tampy the tampon. <laughs> guys, guys, this was before tampons. Kotex napkins. This oh. was in the 50s. Sorry, 60s. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> See, so I are looking at each other like, 
There was a before. <laughs> like, <where does> that... <laughs> I'm dating myself. So anyway, with soap obtuse, I came home and I ran in the door and said, Mom, Mom, what's menstruation? And then after she explained what it was, I never said the word out loud again. But she only explained the female part. My mother or my father never told me about anything about sexual relations. And I purloined a copy. I think I may mention this in the essay yeah. of my sister's uh a dirty book uh, called uh, 79 Park Avenue, which I was in a used bookstore in California and bought a copy. I was going to read it again. And that's where I learned what intercourse was. This shop owner rapes a girl. That's how I learned what sex was. That doesn't give you a very good impression of sex. But I know my attitude towards sex was so influenced by that. And I ended up being engaged to this guy and ended up sleeping with him and obviously lost my virginity. Never did see the guy again. But I know, you know, oh, I'm not a virgin anymore. So what do you do? You know, okay, that's that's shot. So then you have sex, but you always still feel a little guilty about it. So I think particularly for women, religious attitude towards sex, I would put right at the top of the list. Yeah, it is. It is not natural. It's not something you should be doing. You shouldn't get pleasure from it. Um, and we don't even talk about it. So uh, when you when you when you write these stories, I want to talk a little bit about some of the stories, too, because you have this uh, you have to collect all these. You have to you have to collect them and then read through them. And uh, and are there any that you read that you just that just broke your heart that were just like you just you just read it and you thought my goodness this is this is a heart wrenching story? Because yeah, a number of these had some terrible oh, personal absolutely. tragedies involved. The first one, Anne, who was raised as a fundamentalist, and I just you know gave her a big hug. We all got together. The first authors got together at the coast and talked and shared. And for some of them, it was the first time they talked about it. And the other one is uh, Kale Wright, which happens to be a pseudonym. And her falling in love with this boy on campus and then being called before these three elders in the Jehovah Witness Church, uh, congregation, etc. And she finds out later, as they're accusing her and are going to disfellowship her and kick her out of the church, one of the guys was having an affair and he was married. Oh, so talk about hypocritical. Yeah, yeah. right. Right. Now, I can tell you that she married him, and they have two little kids, and they're happy and all of that. So that had a good ending. But again, here's this attitude, sex is bad. Yeah. Don't do it. We're going to get you. Uh, and it, you know, somebody used it as a little leverage in their own case to, to rat on her and turn her in. But what a – you know, what a um, – just a terrible way to approach life. Something so natural that gives you pleasure and you're told, this is bad, don't do it. You know, that sex is bad message, though, it, it, it's particularly aimed at women. Although the sex is bad, you know, message and what have you is, you know, sort of cross-gender, but it seems to be internalized um, oh, yeah. and leveled at women, you know, as a weapon much more than men. Like, you know, maybe this is just anecdotal, but I, I don't encounter the same number of men who have the internalized guilt over sex and sexuality that, that we have certainly talked to women who have internalized guilt over sex and sexuality from their religious experience. Well, that's because you guys don't have any control. See, well, that's true. So that is we're, true. We're, we're the breaks. That's true. We're the breaks. Yeah, we're just and, monsters. And I, I knew in high school that there were women who were sleeping with men. 
And I assure what you. What are their names and phone numbers for research purposes? I just. <laughs> I'm going to, at my high school year reunion next year, I'm going to mention them all. <laughs> but they were, they were seen as sluts. You know, clearly the circle of friends I was with were going, oh, look what they did. And there were five or six who got pregnant. And one women, woman mysteriously took a trip on an airplane and my guess it was to New York or maybe to Canada. I don't know. But uh, she wasn't pregnant when she came back. That happens on airplanes, actually. Yeah. That's, yeah. When that pre- mask comes well, down. It depends on where your, where your layovers are. That baby may get off. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. And they lose your luggage. Just... <laughs> well, you guys are too much. Uh. Um, so I think that women, women are held responsible. You right. know, and it's this whole attitude toward dress. I mean, you hear people say today uh, about recent rapes on campus. Well, if the girl wouldn't have dressed like that in 2016, you still hear the same thing. Well, if she shouldn't have gone there, she shouldn't have had that much to drink. She shouldn't have worn those clothes. She wasn't dressed right. It's pervasive today, too. So uh, if people were going to find this book, where would they look? Well, it will probably be in local bookstores soon. The publishing date is October 1st, but Amazon released it a month early. And it's also on Barnes & Noble's site. So it's available online. It's just a print version for now. We are going to get a Kindle version, and the publisher is producing an audio book. Well, we will put a link to uh, to the book, Women Beyond Belief, Discovering Life Without Religion. We'll put a link to the book on this episode. This is episode 315. Karen, thanks so much for joining us tonight. We really do appreciate it. This was great. You're entirely welcome. The pleasure was mine. Want to contact the guys? Go to dissonancepod.com to get links to their Google+, Facebook, and Twitter accounts. If you want to contact them directly, send an email to dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a message at 740-74-DOUBT. That's 740-743-6828. Do you want to support the show? Go to patreon.com. That's P A T R E O N.com forward slash dissonance pod. Or click the link on the podcast homepage and you can donate to the production of Cognitive Dissonance on a per episode basis. If you can't spare any money, take a second to give us a five star review on iTunes or Stitcher or spread the word about the show. We want to send a big heartfelt glory hole to all the patrons and people who rate us. You fucking rock. So this story is uh, from Right Wing Watch. Um, David Duke. David Duke has the fucking biggest heart on for Trump. Man. He does. He does. This guy is fucking bobbing head erect <laughs> for fucking Donald Trump. It's like every time he – he, you know like when the, the mother bird comes and lands <laughs> and the mother bird has like a worm and all the baby birds open their mouth. Right. It's like – Just to receive. Exactly. It's just like – it's just like uh, many – uh, erotic films. <laughs> erotic films. Yes. That's what we're called. Yes. Erotic. The, ah, uh, yes. The old eight minute movie. The erotic <laughs> movies. Where the, uh, there may be one or more. <laughs> young ladies. Young ladies. Young ladies. Nubile young women. Right. Right. On their knees with their mouth open similar to, to these birds. Right. That's how I envision David Duke. And I'm glad, I'm glad that we do not have a video. Because he is a featureless monster. Because what David, you know, we're talking about birds. It's like if if David Duke's face was anything, if we could compare it to anything in Mm -hmm. nature, it's like when you get a turkey. (laughs) 
This is going to be great. And then you reach up inside the turkey <laughs> and you pull out all of the giblets. <laughs> right. And then you look at them and you think, yeah. who the fuck eats these things? Right. And then if, Poor you were to, people. If, you were, if you were to arrange them in a certain way, yeah. you would have David Duke's face, I think. He is – he sort of looks like a hawk has stripped all the flesh <laughs> from a skull and then somebody – Somebody like haphazardly pieced him back exactly. together. Yeah, they mason verged him right. back together. Yeah. Yeah. but they just did like he's like he's like that uh, that woman whose face got eaten by the chimpanzee, yeah. and they're like, "Hey, man, first face transplant." <laughs> and then they unveil it. And you're like, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> "Oh, no!" I feel like I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> you're looking you're, just, you're hiding just, over there it's just like they, they pull the sheet up you're like ah! <laughs> it's like dark man you know you're just wrapped. it's like fucking real skin stitch into the big cuts on your face dark man you're fucking monster this fucking Liam Neeson don't look at me <laughs> A chimp ate off my face. <laughs> but at least, like, it's like it's like but you gotta least, walk up to that the woman. Best, the best part about that woman, though, is that she doesn't have hateful thoughts to match the. Face. I know, right? you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> she's, like, she's not gonna be like, you snooze, you get screwed by the Jews. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> All right, so let's listen to David Duke uh, be very hateful, but also get ready to receive Trump. Oh, God, he's right in the fucking uvula, man. (laughs) (laughs) Donald Trump last night uh, condemned, basically talked about the immigration from 1965 to 19, or here it is, 66, actually, to 2016. What the fuck is that popping And how he said, well, there's been... You know, many good immigrants, but then he went on to say, but the fact is we have to go back to basically the national origins, that we have to preserve the origins of this country. It was So a- Native Americans. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Yeah. Right. That's, Native- I'm yeah, sure that's what Trump, he really means. Trump is pro-Native American. Yeah, just like <laughs> most of white America. No, he likes them because they have casinos. So, yeah. <laughs> it gets good tips. <laughs> it was a very, very implicit, almost explicit, uh, fact that we've got to take America back and that we have to defend the heritage of the people who've created America. And that's what's going on here. Uh, there is a purposeful effort to ethnically cleanse us from the land. Again, this, uh, this guy uses the word ethnic cleansing as if he understands what it means. Or and as, as if he means not. you hire a maid to do it. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, is there any way you could come in and ethnically cleanse my apartment? <laughs> you know, there's a lot just, of mildew in the tub. So could you ethnically cleanse that? He doesn't know what it means. He does, yeah. He, somebody just comes in with a broom and sweeps all the Mexicans out of the room. <laughs> no, the Mexican would have the broom. Come on. <laughs> it's confusing. Don't Who's supposed ridiculous. to do this work? Don't be ridiculous. Where our forefathers, that the land our forefathers created and built, the nation we built, the Constitution, the rights, that's really what's going on here. 
And uh, and it was a great speech last night. I was ecstatic. You know they, when they come here, they fucking sign up for all that. They say they check fucking all the boxes that say, I want to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah, right. But yeah, but he doesn't want them. Yeah, but it, the problem is he doesn't want them to be okay with it. He doesn't want them to have all his nice things. I really think that's the problem, right? He's like, look, this is our – these are our toys. I don't want to share my toys. He's a petulant fucking a child. Fucking twat. Right. God, he's like a fucking – he's like the kid you hated in kindergarten yeah, who that, wouldn't share his truck. That's exactly right. Because he was yeah. a racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just so excited, everybody, and I'm excited, Andrew, to think about the fact – Yay, Trump. You made the racists happy. Uh, yeah. Oh, you got the KKK <laughs> vote. You got the white supremacist <laughs> no vote kidding, saw, right? uh, sealed up. Oh, God. That my whole life, I mean, literally uh, my entire adult life from the time I was old enough to drive. When I could drag a black man behind my car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even before that, I've been dedicated and devoted to saving this country. And one of the main issues I've been fighting about, speaking about publicly since. Is it public speaking when you're just standing at the podium of your burning cross rally? Exactly. Is that still it's, public it's, speaking? Uh, I don't, I don't know, know if that counts. It's a private group. But it's dark outside. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Not my neighborhood. <laughs> Since 1967 has been this massive immigration, which is destined to destroy America, all the rights we have, every principle we have, and our own people and the future of our children, to think that there is a great possibility if we work hard enough uh, to go to the United States Senate and be part of one of the leaders in the effort to stop this massive immigration. What massive immigration. I don't know are you what he's he referring to. Because we talked about this. There's, you know, there's not. It's not a huge group of people that are coming into this country. It's about a million a year. Turn this country around. In fact, the first act that I'm going to do, Andrew, when I get in, is is lynch a black guy. I'm going <laughs> to lynch a black guy. It has nothing to do with immigration, Andrew. But I'm just going to do it because I can. A man can point. dream, right? A man can dream. And is to put a bill forward, make these senators stand up one way or the other, put a bill forward in the United States Senate to repeal the 1965 immigration reform bill and to restore the same policies we had before that and restore uh, this country to the heritage of the people who created this nation. Respect for all races, but damn well, we're going to make sure that our people survive and prosper. Our people. Ooh. Our people. Respect for all races, which I kind of have to say because it's 2016. <laughs> I don't really believe it. But anyway, you know, back of the bus, Blackie. <laughs> oh, gosh, as, as uh, another well-known skeptic might say, color me skeptical. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we preserve America as fundamentally uh, a nation of Western Christian civilization uh, where the people of Western Christian descent have a right to be preserved and promoted and really ultimately go to the stars. The stars? That guy's a go fucking lunatic. Stars? We should be promoted and go to the stars. He, okay. Congratulations, Cecil. There's, You've been promoted. You get to go to the stars. Wait, there's the closest star is this on. <laughs> that's, not a, <laughs> that's not a place you want to go. That's not a vacation home type place. Two, the nearest star is what four and a half million, like a four and a half light years away, or something oh, like that. Oh, you with your light years. So there's like the 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 two stars that you have an opportunity to go to. But you have to go to more than one. It's you go to the the stars. The stars. Maybe you just dance with them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of a different kind of star. Okay, I get it. Yeah. I get it now. All right. 
All right, let's listen to this other clip because this is where this, this is funny. Just it's just like fucking most anti-Semitic. Just like he's like fucking carving skins <laughs> off Jews' faces while he's talking. It- like he's whittling down. Jew box. Like, <laughs> shows, that's what he's doing. He shows up in the Senate and he's like, where do I put my Jew skin lamp? <laughs> we do have to have some people, though, in politics that just get out there and say, look, we've got all these groups. The Mexican-Americans have representatives, a, a caucus. The uh, Black Caucus is out there for African-Americans. You know, the, the white Americans have a caucus, too. It's called Congress. Right. It's called the rest <laughs> of the established powers. It's called like, all of the people. Everybody yeah. else. It's called very often, at least until uh, you know eight years ago, the uh, executive branch, right, right, the, the judicial, Ju- branch, judicial branch, with, with a, yeah, now a couple a, of a exceptions, couple of exceptions, and the legislative branch. Mm. But that's like that's like the people who bitch and moan about, oh man, it must be easy to live on welfare where you got all your food for free. But like, well, do it. You can yeah, do it right, right now. Go Quit get, your job and do it right, right now. Yeah, just do go be right Go go do it right now. And then they look at you like, well, uh, I like my job and. Yeah eating food yeah i like living in a place where i might not get shot today i like not roaches that's what i like (laughs) i like to sleep in a bed that doesn't have bugs within it i don't want to break another one of chicago's records by being another murder 502 503 (laughs) it's like you're playing a really bad game of hide and go seek (laughs) the jewish groups spend millions of dollars to advance their issues we gotta have one guy that just not only votes for us but openly stands up for us yeah there's not one guy there's not one guy who who pays attention to white issues what won't somebody think of rich white men (laughs) and i'm trying to do that and i i think uh, if i'm in the senate don't you that we're going to give trump some space so we can move toward our positions i hope so well yeah absolutely i mean that's why i think it's so important uh because it'll it'll open up the media to these issues, we also need somebody to talk about the um, the Hebrew people. <laughs> you know, I mean, it- yes, here it comes, here it comes. <laughs> I love he plays pausing. He's, he's pausing. Like, he's like, can I say Jews? Am he's I like, allowed to, I'll just say- can I? I normally say kike right now. <laughs> can I say kike? No, mm, fuck. I like don't know what else to call them. I don't. Uh, do they have know. another name? It's I- because we we've got a situation where uh, they're now saying, well. It's okay if you are racist and you're against immigration, but we just we, we have to include include the Jews. What does that even mean? What? It's okay if you're racist, but we have to include the Jews. If it's okay if you're racist, but include the Jews. Hey guys, we're going to burn some crosses. <laughs> Did you bring any Jews? Where's our Jews? No, the most Jewless cross burning I've ever been to. <laughs> in this movement so you know i mean the the jews are shifting they're pivoting uh to try and support a trump type position now and they're not uh, actually you know of course overwhelmingly there's 90 you know they're gonna trump will get fewer jewish votes than any candidate for president well not not to support it but to be involved in it yeah but that's part of the control the opposition isn't it you know well this is what i'm saying is what i'm saying they they want uh they want to get in there and and control what's going on. So what does that even mean? They want to get in there and control what's going on. I think they're saying where? that they're going to jump on the Trump campaign. But he said the Trump that they're not going to vote for him. Yeah. So what are they going to do? They're just going to know. They're going to get into the campaign and control the campaign. Well, that's how Jews do it, Tom. 
I don't under like I don't understand the crazy magic yeah. control powers that I get ascribed either. to Jews I don't all the time. Understand it either? These fucking crazy yeah. anti semites are like the Jews have fucking magic control powers. Do they have hypno eyes? <laughs> they're lizards, dude. I, like every Jewish person I know, just is like a person. Like yeah. they just walk around and they poop and they eat and yeah. they are just people. People. Yeah. I've never met one with fucking hypno eyes. That's probably what they want me to believe. <laughs> and so you know, I mean, because this is the problem. We know this is the problem. Is these people. Um, these Jews. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that clip. That's amazing. You know what? The, we have a problem. It's these people, these Jews. These Jews. <laughs> so, I mean, that, well, that's we, what we, we know that. And, and that's something that I've got to really be, be very uh, clear about. You know, the, there's no question that the control Jewish, that the Jewish establishment, for instance, the control of Hollywood, uh, these are not European Christians. They, it is a Jewish control Hollywood and the Jewish establishment in this country, this Jewish mafia that controls media. Mafia? The Jewish mafia? Why are they so worried about who controls Hollywood? Yeah. It's just movies. Yeah. We hear this all the time. It's like, the Jews control all the movies. Okay, well, what if, even, like, that's fucking crazy. But what if they did? It's just fucking movies. If 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 this fucking crazy Jew conspiracy nonsense were true, they're already it's like the it's like the reptiles, right? They're already super rich. Yeah. So what do they need your more money for? Yeah. Like, do, have we not realized that at some point, if you're super fucking rich, more money doesn't do more things for you? Yeah. Well, what good would it do for me? Oh, look at, the super rich Jews want to get rich. They're fucking already rich. What's fucking step two? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Step one: collect underpants. Step two. Step three, profit. Like yeah, there's just yeah, no, exactly. there's no middle ground. Well, so step one is get rich. Step two is get richer. Step three is get even richer, and that's that's all there is to it. But for, but for what purpose? All right, it's so at confusing. A certain, at a certain point, doesn't matter whether you're a single billionaire or a multi-billionaire. Right. That's and that's what I mean. Right. Like if somebody's like, hey man, what's effectively the difference between having 150 million dollars and 250 million dollars? There's no difference. Yeah. There's, it's not like at $150 million, I'm like, oh, I can't afford to go somewhere or buy something. There's literally, you can go anywhere, yeah. buy anything. Uh, banking and politics, they're the biggest contributors for Hillary Clinton. They're not giving hardly any money to Trump, by the way. That they are leading our country to disaster. It doesn't mean every single Jew is doing it, but there's no question that the Jewish establishment is doing this. It's not anti-Semitic to simply tell the truth that this powerful Jewish economic, political, and uh, and banking establishment is absolutely the driving force for the destruction of Western civilization. No, that's super anti-Semitic. <laughs> I don't consider that to be anti-Semitic. I just consider it to be truthful statements about the reality of the world. Well, the truth is anti-Semitic. <laughs> Trump supporters, Bravo, people, sir. Bravo, Here we go. Sir. That's fucking amazing. That's a that's, that's outstanding. Good stuff. So, I want to thank our newest patrons: Kyler, Jarvis, Joyce, Gleno, Basement Dildo, Wilson, the Almighty Thunder Cunt, <laughs> Clara, Atheist Indian Liberal, Jeff, Scully. Or Scully. I'm going to go with Scully. I think Scully's better. The more often Scully pops into my mind, the better. <laughs> John, 
one of my new favorites, Manos, the Hands of Fate. <laughs> Dennis, I think it's hard. It's, it's hard to pronounce that. Hoss, I like uh, that one. Yeah. The whore of Babylon's cuckold husband. <laughs> I love that. Sharky Xmas, Jules, Stephen, Patrick, Wesley, Matthew, Nick, Hieronymus Douche. <laughs> oh, Hieronymus Douche. That's awesome. Atheistically speaking. Oh, there's our guy. Guys. Chris, insert funny username here. Well, like James, it. DB, Joshua, Adrian. President Trump, the Lizard Mongo, <laughs> and Xavier. Thanks so much for your generous donations. You we really much. do appreciate it, guys. We are going to be hiring very soon a assistant all because of you. We have this studio because of you. Uh, we are going to be going to Europe because of you. So we want to thank you guys also very much for your generous donations. Uh, we went through our resumes this week, and we started making calls. So uh, if you are waiting for someone to say, we looked at your resume or whatever – um, Tom's not going to do that. <laughs> I'm just saying Tom's not going to do that. Okay. I'm really not. Tom, earlier today when Tom was sharing with me, he called these people on the phone, the people that he that were planning on, uh, uh, some of the people that were planning on interviewing, uh, further, <laughs> he called them on the phone and he had notes and I looked him in the face and I said, this is the most work you've ever done for the show. And he laughed and he said, ah, the truth. <laughs> But we are we are in the midst. Tom did a a, a, a fair amount of work weeding through Fair-ish. some of these resumes. Uh, he's found and called several people, uh, and so uh, so we are going to go to the next steps, and hopefully we'll have someone hired. It's my hope within a week. We'll yeah. see what happens. I'd like to have this done by the end of next week. Yeah, so, so we'll have somebody soon. So we want to thank everybody for sending your resume. Um, there was a lot of really super, very almost overqualified people. More than almost. Like let yeah. me just say, like in in all honesty. We got a a ton, a ton of resumes, and so many of them were kind of incredible. Yeah, I mean, they were, like, I mean, honestly, they were kind of incredible. Um, we are spoiled for choice. We yeah. really are spoiled for choice. And if we had an option to hire all of you, we would do that and do no work ourselves. That sounds amazing, but we don't have that much money. Maybe that'll be an ultimate Patreon yeah, ultimate, goal. We'll just keep hiring. People. Just keep hiring yeah. and just outsource everything yeah. but the dick jokes. Outsource my voice. <laughs> <laughs> There's people, there's people moving my mouth and they're like just, pressing on my stomach to get the air in. And we're just laying on chase yeah. lounges eating peeled grapes. <laughs> <laughs> but we do, we do. I mean, the, I looked through some of these resumes and and they're they're very there's very accomplished people. Yes. But but truly, there's I, I could there's ten people, twelve people who could do this job in their sleep. Yeah. And so you know we just we only have the opportunity to hire one. So we want to start out with uh, with a message from Elvis. This is from Elvis, and uh, this is uh, his version of Bruce Springsteen's uh, famous hit. I fucking love this guy. Elvis is awesome. Glory hole. Oh, it's amazing. Thank you, Elvis. God. As usual, and uh, like thirteen and a half seconds, fucking amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah, so good. It's just beautiful. We want to thank Bill. Bill sent us in some bitters, and uh, we had a chance to try those last week. That and was that was great. They we- are. Thank you so much for sending them. It was very kind. I, I'm not sure exactly what I'm supposed to do with Memphis barbecue bitters, but I'm going to figure it out. We tried it. You tried it. Tried last it week? in an old fashioned. In an old fashioned. I did. Last week. I yeah. did, and it was interesting. <laughs> 
It wasn't bad. It wasn't I just, bad. It was just, yeah, yeah it, just it, interesting. It's interesting. It's a different flavor I, yeah, than I'm used we're, to. We're looking, we're looking to get in some recipes. Maybe we can have a... A, a, a bitters a off? bitters off. I would win a bitter off. We want to thank Alfredo. Alfredo is our uh, our sort of WordPress go-to guy. When right. our site goes down, when things happen, Alfredo's there to help us out. Now, we, we, we do pay Alfredo, but Alfredo recently sent, reached out to us and said, look, I just want to do the update every month. And, and we said, well, we'll pay you for your time. He's like, no, no, no. I just want to do this. This is kind of my service to you guys. So we want to thank you, Alfredo, so for doing nice. that. It's just such a nice thing what to do. What a nice thing yeah. to do. Yeah. So we got a message from Sarah, and it's a pretty long message. Um, and it essentially is talking about uh, a lot of people are comparing Trump to Hillary and saying, ah, it's fucking – it's damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of uh, right. kind of feeling. Um there's no real excitement around Hillary. They're just kind of like you're you're voting so the other guy doesn't get in. Nobody is really thinking Hillary's good in any way. Why do we think that that's the case? Now, now Sarah in this email brings up the idea that um, that there might be something that that a woman. It's because she's a woman that there's a reason why that people aren't as excited about her or that are they aren't. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I think I think there there may be something to that. Yeah. I will say this: the reasoning for me is. I feel like it's going to be politics as usual. I feel like when Obama came in, he had a lot of fucking high-minded ideals. He blew his fucking wad on Obamacare, which had all the teeth pulled out of it. You know, it's not single payer. It's not anything. It's not anything that even the rest of the world does. Right. And it's a really poor substitute. And it's it's had its ups and downs. And some people have thrived off it and had some really great things happen. Some people have not had some really great things happen because of it. And I just feel like it's not a great system. Um, it's what we got from him, but he also had a lot of other high-minded ideals, and he was just fucking snuffed out. Yep. Nothing happened. But Obama was easy to get excited about because he was such a dynamic speaker. Yeah. So he, so in the early days of the election, he was such an amazing speaker. For me, Hillary Clinton's not a great speaker. Yeah. She, she's just not. She's she's hard for me to. I listen to her speak, and I don't get that stir. You yeah, know what I mean? That big, I, that big true. chest. It's true. Like you know, I don't get the lump in the throat, and yeah. you know, I don't get yeah. any of that. I feel too. The other thing too is that you know, since they were in power for eight years, the same party would would take over. My first thought is, are you going to change much? Because a lot of the, they're not on a hope and change platform anymore. Right. There's no change. It's just it's now status quo. What I think Hillary is is a very smart, steady hand on the rudder. Right. You know, I do. I do. I think. I think as a statesman, I think she is uh, uh, terribly well accomplished. She's an incredibly smart human being. I think. I think she'll do a fine job steering the ship. I just don't think she's gonna, you know, hit the gas. Yeah. You know, the way you and I kind of want to see the gas get hit. I'm. Yeah. She's a woman driver. That's why. Um, <laughs> you know, and she's not Asian. The, the- <laughs> The uh, the thing, the other thing I want to mention though too is, if she gets in, mm-hmm. the microscope that is going to be on her as a woman, I oh, think is it's going to be, be horrible. horrible, horrible. I think that there will be a lot of a I, lot of garbage that she's going to have to weed through. They as will try the to impeach her. Present. Oh, we got a message from Keith, and Keith says, "Hey, uh, he's talking about <laughs> our last episode, and he's like, hey, I'm the guy.'" That Lawrence Wellanew that we had on uh, it was two episodes ago uh, when Trump uh, Trump had his Brexit and he put in quotes foresight. 
he appears to have completely been unaware of what it was a month before the vote. And now I did read this and I did read his response. And really, I think he knew that it was going to be happening. He just wasn't familiar with the term Brexit, I think. But I want to read it because it's great. Okay. Can I just read this you real quick? Because the transcript takes seconds. The, the transcript is It's great. like three sex yeah. acts. And Brexit, your position, I ask? Huh? Brexit. Hmm? The Brits leaving the EU, I prompt, realizing that his lack of familiarity with one of the most pressing issues in Europe is for him no concern nor liability at all. Oh, yeah. I think they should leave. <laughs> I, I think I think he does know about it, though. I think that that's yeah. disingenuous. Uh, I probably, think he does know. I probably. think he would know. I, I find it hard to believe that he that he could be an international businessman and not know anything I, about that. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Like I because I was watching it carefully. Of course you, know, you were. Yeah. It, yeah. Real estate is yeah. I'm in real estate. He's in real estate. Yeah. Right. Like. You, you knew that if Brexit was going to happen, that it was going to drive rates down because it's going to move money into the tenure. And I don't, I don't know that I can pin the anti sort of – the xenophobic stuff on him for saying they should leave because as a real estate mogul, it fucking makes sense that you would want them to yeah, leave. Uh, Brexit was good for me. Fucking yeah. was you – know, yeah, yeah, it was Brexit's great. been great for my yeah, business. Exactly. So, yeah. So we are going to be going to uh, – on – the Monday we had mentioned this on the on yeah. The let's show. be super clear because yeah. the date got mixed up. So the, the, the it was date, originally a Sunday. It was originally a Sunday. It was a Sunday on the email that that someone sent us, but that was right. a wrong date. Right now, this time we are going to be. It's going the nineteenth right of September. We will be at Lagunitas to hang out with the Ethical Humanist Society uh, and just uh, just you know just hang out at Lagunitas and just chill. Yeah. So if you want to come out. Uh, and see us and hang out and uh, and give some money to a good cause, uh, you can go to this episode's show notes and the uh, you can buy tickets that way. We got a ton of messages about whether or so not many. Jesus would be a good president uh, and why Jesus wouldn't be a good president. Or not even that. Why Jesus wouldn't qualify. Um, these ranged from Jesus wasn't born in the United States. <laughs> which to, is really funny. Which is true. To Jesus uh, would have only been 33 yeah. when he was running. Um, I will point out, though, that all the people that are being pedantic about Jesus only being 33, he's actually like 1,900 plus years old. Okay? <laughs> not actually. Well, does it count? I yeah. mean, if you die. It's not. I don't know. Does it, it does, stop the clock? I don't know if you stop the clock. It's I don't confusing. know if you keep going. Or yeah. kids. Is it like a chess game where you press the button and, and you don't go until the next turn? These, you stop right? until the next turn i don't know uh, i would also say that you know maybe jesus doesn't have the requisite number of heartbeats per year <laughs> to actually be or the requisite number of real <laughs> so there's a lot of things that jesus needs to be president uh, but we got a lot of a lot of messages from a lot of people who said hey you, would, you wouldn't be able to right. be because of x so. plus it's so awkward shaking hands because you just it's, it's so all weird. sloppy you can't hold babies because you can't grip very rip well them. it's just there's a lot Let's of reasons solution yeah. right through <laughs> We got a message. Um, this is from Travis, and Travis was wondering what our stance on Syrian refugees are uh, coming to the U.S. I feel like the Syrian refugee crisis is a major international humanitarian crisis. First of all, it needs to be managed internationally. But um, in terms of how many or who we let in, I think there needs to be a reasonable vetting process, just like there already is for immigrants that come into this country that claim refugee status. That's not a status that they just say like, oh, you look poor and sad. Yeah. Here's oh, refugees. You status. have dirt on your face. Here you go. Right. There's already there's already a process in place for bringing in refugees into this country and giving them refugee status. I don't have a specific. Yeah, we keep them in a camp. Yeah, that's <laughs> right? how this works. We just yeah. 
put them in a box and lock the box and then you know you open it up to find out if they're dead or alive they're just you know <laughs> refugee cats that's <laughs> it's schrodinger's schrodinger's refugees. schrodinger's syria yeah. <laughs> yeah i i guess i don't i don't have a specific stance on syrian refugees that's different than any other kind of and any other kind refugee, of refugee right yeah. you know yeah. we have a process in place the process has been in place for quite some time i feel like it's a safe and reasonable and very thorough process, and I see no reason why it couldn't apply to Syrians. I I do see some of the uh, the Syrian refugees that are coming in from other countries, and specifically in some of the the European countries that have let people come in, and they have been there's been some problems. There's sure. been rapes. There's been people who have been stabbed. There's there's been attacks. There's been a lot of stuff that has been that has been not so good right. about letting in a lot of refugees. Um, I think you do have to vet those people. I think no matter what, you're going to have to vet them. But I think you just make sure you do a thorough job. You just make sure you do a thorough job. And if it's like, oh, yeah, you're kind of a violent douchebag. Eh, yeah. Enjoy yeah. Syria because that's really a violent place full of douchebags. <laughs> so you've got it. You've got to you your place. start. Right. Like, or New Jersey. Is, Can't we just send yeah, them to New Jersey? This is like the fucking fourth dimension for lizards <laughs> over there. <laughs> We got a message. Now this is from uh this is from Desert Dave and Desert Dave calls in on the phone all the time. Now Desert Dave had mentioned last week he was like, "Hey, I'm in Chicago, it's short notice. I just want to know if you guys are going to be busy." Chances are if you send us a message or send us a tweet or any of that stuff and be like, "Hey, I'm in Chicago today. What are you guys doing?" Chances are we're going to be pretty busy. I know I leave yeah. a very busy life. I have a lot, you know, clearly we have the podcast to do, but then I also have a lot of other hobbies and I also have a family and do things. I know Tom has a, has a family as well and does other things. Well, partially a family. Um, so, so <laughs> what an asshole. Oh, you and your truth. So, uh, so we, we both are very, almost always right. very busy. So if someone sends us a message, well, it, it would be awesome. To hang out with people, we just that's not an option most of the days. We're just no, very, really very busy. We, we'd love to do it. We just don't want people to take offense that we can't. You know, yeah. we, we, we would love to do it. But the, the, to get both of us together once a week to record requires – like it kind of requires a lot of, yeah. of, of commitment yeah, to say. Yeah, and finagling of calendars. Right. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean so, it's a real thing that we yeah. have to sit down and say, OK, let's, let's do our calendar for the next month or two to, to make those commitments to make sure – that we can even get the show done. So it, please don't take offense if we can't meet you. We'd love to meet you guys. We just have to do kind of organized, structured events because it's just so hard to plan our lives. Yeah. And so it, it, with that being said, uh, Desert Dave, we would have loved to have had oh, uh, a drink with you. We, we, we hear from you all the time. That being said, Desert Dave said, here's the thing. I sent you guys a song. Now it's a minute and a half. He said, oh, I can make it into short clips, but... We started listening to this earlier, I don't want and this we any stopped shorter. listening to it because we were laughing so hard. So we're going to play amazing. this. This is Desert Dave, uh, and uh, and here's the song. Who's that guy? <laughs> I love it. I so love it much. already. Who's that guy? I, oh my god! This is amazing. Who's it's kind of Willie Nelson guy? thing. Totally does. I woke up this morning, sent over them all over my face. <laughs> Black wine spattered my behind, and my mouth had a cracker it tasted. <laughs> it all came back in a blinding flash. I said, Have mercy on my soul. It's from the crust on my chin, I knew right where I'd been. <laughs> Down at the road. That's so bad. That's so bad. <laughs> Oh, 
Who's that guy <laughs> on the other side of the glory hole? It's a whole song. It is. Who's that guy on the other side? I know it's wrong, but it sure feels right. Who's that guy on the other side of the glory hole? He's got a mighty nice shaft and a lot of girth. <laughs> Big sexy laugh, and for what it's worth, I figured out who's on the other side of the glory hole. Who's that guy on the other side of the glory hole? This is amazing. Uh, It's Jesus. (laughs) It brings a little tear to the eye. What has happened to our lives that this is now something people send in from across the country? You know, what's amazing to me is that, that we didn't even make that it's up. It's not ours. We didn't even make that up. It's not like, ours. We, and we had nothing to do with the creation of that at nothing. all. Nothing. We had nothing. nothing to do with the original song or the use of Glory Hole as the moniker that identifies us. Yeah. We had nothing to do with that. That's all listener created. It's, a, it's outstanding. That, that really is amazing. What a fucking bunch of degenerates. I know. Are. You guys are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Never change. Uh, thank you so much, though, That's Desert so Dave. Good. It was really excellent. Uh, so we got a message. Uh, this is from uh, Dr. Richard. And Dr. Richard sends in a message of uh, uh, about Shubat, the yoga pant-wearing devil worshiper, there's a sign at the bottom here, Tom, that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, so it says, warning, homos, feminists, porn freaks, pot smokers, atheists, thugs, yoga pants, <laughs> which aren't even people. <laughs> Everything else is a people. Cutters, Muslims, witches, idolaters, masturbators, eternal damnation. Fucking yoga pants get a fucking, they don't even, like, they don't even have a choice into what they're made of. The right. spandex is just sitting there being like, I could be on Michael Phelps' dick. You know right. I mean? Like, that's where they could be. <laughs> or they could be yoga pants. Right. They have no, they're the only, they're the, the yoga pants are there. They're the only part that isn't a person, right? That yeah. does not, doesn't identify a human being at all. But we, what does the Bible have against yoga pants? I, we, I look at the sign, I'm like, oh, I'm down with homos, I'm down with feminists, I'm down with porn. Freaks, I'm fine with pot smokers. I am an atheist. I'll pass on thugs. Yoga pants are the greatest invention of all mankind. Eclipse. Cutters, though. What's that? I think like people that cut themselves. Really? I think. Huh. I think they just need some help and a hug. I'm not like, why would they go to hell? Like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Muslims, what like just what about like Hindu like what about like all the rest of the other religions? Very specifically, witches, that's not real. Idolaters, that's Catholics. <laughs> masturbators that's everybody it's fucking literally everybody uh, my nine-year-old son is going to hell <laughs> uh so we got a haiku um this is from hoss laughing at lizards find out friend believes oh shit laugh even harder that's great that's friendship that's real <laughs> that is, friendship that is friendship hoss we got a message from Justin, and Justin <laughs> commented on Patreon <laughs> on our last ep- one of our last episodes. We were talking about um, the lady who's like, Muslims pray that uh, we get abortions, that right, our, right. Our, that Americans, our, the Americans get abortions. get abortions. And Justin says, terrorists pray for abortions because we all know that radical Islamists are super concerned about women's reproductive freedom. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. That's super awesome. Uh, we got a message from Sean, and Sean sent in a funny story. And the funny story is so weird. Holy potato found at Quebec seniors' residence, residence sacred spot <laughs> found by Cook 
makes residents feel safe, watched over, also kind of grossed me out. Yeah, uh, right? That's rot. Yeah. There's, like your potato has a cross-shaped rotten or, spot. Or there's like there's like a fucking a piece of detritus or something that the potato fucking grew itself right. around. Right. Right? Like that's what we're looking at. Nothing here. good is happening in this potato. When you cut potato along the thing, there's a cross in it. Clearly there's a cross in it. But this isn't a potato you'd be like, and is it in a frame? I it, it appears to be a framed potato. A frapato. For potato. Well, we'll be visiting Ireland. I'm sure they will have plenty of God, we're gonna have to eat Irish food. Oh. I'm bringing snacks. <laughs> I'm I'm packing so much snacks. This food, oh god, the food is gonna be fucking garbage. We're going to fucking England, Scotland, and Ireland. We're going to like the we may it's oh. the boiled country. Oh my <laughs> like, god, essentially boil things. That's just you know. I, I also uh. want to make a quick comment that like every time these guys get fucking super excited about a cross, like. Do they not realize it's just two intersecting lines? This is not hardly like, a complex not like, shape. It's not like that thing doesn't happen all the right. time. It's not a Buddhist mandala, right? Yeah. Like it just appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> so we want to thank Karen Garst, the author of Women Beyond Belief, Discovering Life Without Religion, uh, for joining us tonight. You can find uh, her book uh, and her blog. Uh, links to both of those things will be on this episode, show notes 315. We want to thank her again for coming on and talking about her book. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. Um, We're going to leave you, like we always do, with Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno-Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo-quasi-alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead, pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death and towers, tarot cars, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and views expressed in this show are that of the hosts only. Our poorly formed and expressed notions do not represent those of our wives, employers, friends, families, or of the local dairy council.